Thank you for joining us today. You are listening to the anointed teaching of Prophet Grace Scales, where we experience the presence of the Lord as we explore his word. Now let's dive in and enjoy today's teaching. Hello there, this is Grace Scales coming to you once again from Joliet, Illinois, and we are going to continue our teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not going to delve into these as they are listed in the book of Galatians, verses 522 through 23, but I will go into them as I feel led of the Holy Spirit to discuss them. The first fruit that we are going to discuss is the fruit of self-control. And this will be part one of a two-part series on the fruit of self-control. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The nine fruit of the spirit, it is my personal belief, without a shadow of a doubt, this fruit is possibly one of the most important tools needed in our lives to stay on course in fulfilling our God-given commission to the nations, and it is crucial to maintain an abiding relationship with our Heavenly Father. In addition, it can enhance our personal relationships And just as a lack thereof can hinder or destroy relationships with our earthly brothers and sisters, Christian and non-Christian alike. Question, why is it crucial that the fruit of self-control be developed in our lives? Biblically speaking, self-control is the ability to control our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. Thus, we need self-control to achieve our long-term goals, especially if they require actions against our tastes or our desires. Proverbs 25 and 28 says that a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. With the help of the Holy Spirit and guidance from God's word, it is possible to learn how to manage impulses, build up godly walls, and make better choices in our personal relationships through cultivation of the fruit of self-control. In 1 Corinthians 9 24 through 27, the Apostle Paul states just how essential the fruit of self-control is to our achieving this reward. He declares that in a race, the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way you may win it. He says that every athlete exercises self-control in all things. He asserts that They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. He continues, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The individual believer who is striving to become mature in his or her walk with the Father and exemplify the characteristics in the likeness of his son Jesus, they must be temperate or self-controlled in all things. They must have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. 
and they must bring their body into subjection and exert so much control over it as to make it become a slave dominated by the spirit of God. When the spirit of God dominates a person, he demands that person self-control. This is what he demands of them. As a result, he will crucify the affections and lust of his flesh that war against the spirit. The fruit of self-control will enable us to crucify the flesh. Winning a race requires purpose and it requires discipline. Paul used this illustration to explain that the Christian life takes hard work. It takes self-denial. It takes grueling preparation. As Christians, we are running towards our heavenly reward. The essential disciplines of prayer, Bible study, and worship equip us to run with vigor and to run with stamina. Don't merely observe from the grandstand. Don't just turn out to jog a couple of laps each morning. We need to train diligently because our spiritual progress depends on it. Self-discipline, or rather self-control, requires an honest look at our strengths and weaknesses with emphasis on the latter. It means building the will to say no when a powerful appetite inside us screams yes. For example, we can say no to friends or situations that will lead us away from Christ. Say no to casual sex, saving intimacy for marriage, which is a godly thing. And say no to laziness in favor of can do. Self-control is a long, steady course in learning attitudes that do not come naturally and challenging natural appetites towards God's purposes. If you exhibit any such weaknesses, I suggest that you get with someone in whom you can trust and pray for God's help to redirect that weakness into a strength. James 1 and 12 states, it says it this way, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. The Bible tells us that we can cultivate self-control by trusting and depending on the Lord with all of our heart and not leaning on our own understanding. Uh, He further says that if we acknowledge him in all our ways, he will make our path straight according to Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. In other words, the Holy Spirit will enable us to develop and to maintain the fruit of self-control in our lives. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 8 tells us that the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. So then, when we yield ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God, living in obedience to God's Word, we can exercise self-control and we can walk in love with one another, which pleases the Father, and thus it will bring about His blessings in our lives. It is for this reason, according to 2 Peter 1, 5-7, that we should make every effort to supplement our faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, 
and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. According to Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27, the result of not bringing the body into subjection is to become disqualified, or we could become a castaway, as he puts it. In the Greek, the word castaway is adokimos, A-D-O-K-I-M-O-S, and that means to be unapproved, rejected, or even worthless. Because of a lack of self-control, many believers have become worthless or disqualified because they've dropped out of the race for the incorruptible or the imperishable crown or the perishable crown. In looking at 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13, we find that there are four distinct ways the children of Israel were overcome by the lust in their desires and affections in the flesh, and it caused them to be displeasing in the sight of God. Let's read this in the New American Standard Version, beginning at verse 10. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and they passed through the sea, and they all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, With most of them, God was not pleased, for their dead bodies were spread out in the wilderness. Woo! Now, these things happened as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they indeed crave them. Do not be idolaters. Well, that's number one. We stated that there was four distinct ways the children of Israel got overcome, and idolatry was one of them, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Nor are we to commit sexual immorality, which is number two, fornication, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell on one day, nor are we to put the Lord to the test, number three tempting Christ Jesus, as some of them did, and were killed by the snakes, nor grumble, for murmuring, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands watch out that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you except something common to mankind, and God is faithful. So he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Here in this passage of scripture, we can see that no mortal man is beyond experiencing temptation and they can be overcome just as were the children of Israel in the wilderness. We must realize that sin itself is not the problem, but yielding to that temptation, even though the children of Israel had experienced God's supernatural intervention, they had seen and experienced miraculous events that God had led them through. They displeased God because they became overcome 
by the lust of the flesh with its affections and desires. They lacked the strength of self-control to resist those lust-filled affections and desires. Are you beginning to see how critical self-control is and how critical it is to develop it in our lives? Now, let's look at what the purpose of the fruit of self-control or temperance serves in our lives. The passage in 1 Corinthians is a reminder for us today that we are to war against idolatry in our desires and not to fall into sin by the same temptations as did the Israelites in disobedience to God's commandment given in Exodus 20 verse 4 and 5. And it says, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God. Did you hear that? For the Lord thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Wow. In today's society, we don't witness believers bowing to idols or any kind of graven images in the sense of the word very much. But we find that covetousness, which might be more recognizable as materialism, greed, envy, jealousy, desire, etc., is prevalent among many and in many ways or whatever they might idolize in their lives. Colossians 3 and 5 says to mortify therefore your members which are up on the earth fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness which is idolatry. And because covetousness is the same as idolatry in God's eyes. A covetous person is as guilty of idolatry as the person who bows down to worship a sculptured image. Now, one of the purposes of the fruit of self-control is to help us to to prevent idolatry from becoming a snare in our lives because we know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And that's according to Ephesians 5 and 5. As we defined self-control earlier as the ability to control our thoughts, our emotions, and actions, how much time do we spend basking in the God-given blessings that we have in our possession? All of us have fallen in one or more of these areas in various ways, most without even realizing it. We need to repent and ask for his forgiveness if that is the case in our lives. For example, how much time are we sleeping away when we might have had more time for prayer and sharing time with the Lord and building a relationship with him were we to rise earlier? Proverbs 6 and 9 poses a question to the self-centeredness. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? How many times do we go to social media and post what we had to eat that day? 
or what we are having for dinner? Are we sharing because of the joy it brings to be a child of God or to be with fellow Christians? Or are we just glorying in what we were able to afford at the time? What's at the heart of that? Psalm 127 and 2 says that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. But on the other hand, Jesus issued a stern warning in Matthew 6 and 24 when he said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Yet ye cannot serve God and mammon. We as Christians cannot serve both God and money or the things that money can buy, even if we received it as a direct result of God's promise to us. Self-control will aid us to operate in moderation in our thoughts, in our feelings, in our actions, and to avoid having our hearts overloaded or overcharged with surfeiting, as we've been warned in Luke 21, 34 and 35. And it says, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares, for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. Believers who love the world and find themselves engaging in her lust of the flesh, her lust of the eyes, and her pride of life are committing spiritual adultery against the Father, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. That's 1 Corinthians 10 and 8. When the children of God lack self-control to refrain from fornication, they are in danger then of developing a friendship with the world, and thereby they can become the enemy of God. So then, this is a second purpose of the fruit of self-control, which is to aid the believer in overcoming fornication. It is God's desire for us to be holy people. We can't be separate from the world and its worldly pleasures and interests and dedicate ourselves to God the Father in faith and trust in Him at the same time. The fruit of self-control helps us to develop and to cultivate the necessary attributes to live in this world and yet not be conformed to it. Yet, a third function of the fruit of temperance or self-control is to aid in preventing ourselves from tempting Christ. Paul tells us, Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents, according to 1 Corinthians 10 and 9. As we see in Galatians five nineteen through 21, one of the works of the flesh is seditions, which is defined as incitement or resistance to or insurrection against lawful authority. The fruit of self-control empowers the believer to submit to God-ordained authorities in their lives. The flesh may resist submission to rightful authority, but the self-control will cause and produce the strength in the believer to mortify the deeds of the flesh and to live in harmony with God's plan and purpose for their lives. The Apostle Paul also says in Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, and 
chapter 6, verse 1, that God has set parents in positions of authority over their children with the husband ordained as the head of the family. And in Romans 13 and 1 and verse 2, he tells us that governmental authorities are also ordained and established by God. The fruit of self-control will aid us believers in submitting and conforming to the scriptural authority or the order of authority within the family and to the duly instituted powers of governmental authorities. Once more, we're reminded by the Apostle Paul how the children of Israel were guilty of murmuring and complaining about their lot and their leaders. Thus, this is the fourth purpose of the fruit of self-control, and it is to aid believers in shunning the temptation to murmur, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer, according to 1 Corinthians 10 and 10. To murmur simply means to grumble. Wow, eye-opener. Nowhere in the scriptures is it stated that unpleasant circumstances are an excuse for murmuring. On the contrary, such periods of adversity are the very time believers are expected to hold their tongues even as they hold their ground. As we read in James 3 and 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So it is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. The tongue is also capable of corrupting the whole body of Christ. Galatians 5 and 15, 6 suggests that the tongue is the worst enemy of the church because it destroys from within. It says in Galatians 5 and 15, it says, But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. So when believers grumble and complain about each other, whether they're leaders or elsewise, no no matter how justifiable the complaint, we're actually consuming or destroying one another. As a result, the whole body suffers. The whole body is going to suffer if we're murmuring and complaining, whether it's in, we think, in private, because the Holy Spirit is hearing, whether it's a leader, whether it's uh, a lay person uh, or someone that's murmuring and complaining. And some things that we say, we may not think that it's, it's murmuring or it's complaining, but God sees the heart and he hears the heart and he knows what's coming out of your, out of your heart, genuine or regardless. We need to make sure that we're not complaining and murmuring against each other because God hears that. According to James, the flesh of man is not strong enough to put a stop to this destructive work of the tongue with the body of Christ. The power necessary to control this potential source of corruption among believers it has to come from the Spirit of God as individual believers cultivate and develop the fruit of self-control. We need the fruit of self-control developed in our lives to be able to hold our tongue, to stop murmuring, to not fornicate. We can't even uh, walk in the love of God if we are not developing the fruit of self-control in our life. The fruit of self-control is quite critical. It is one of the major components 
to us walking a purposeful and a fruitful life with Jesus. We're going to conclude this teaching here and pick up our next session defining ways in which the believer may develop or cultivate the fruit of self-control in their lives. Let's say a quick prayer before we leave. Heavenly Father, I come to you today asking for strength and self-control. Thank you for the reminder in your word that says to be strong and of good courage, for you are with me. I need the power of your Holy Spirit to work in me so that I will not give in to temptation, but will overcome evil with your goodness. Help me to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Help me to endure the trials and the temptations that I face so that I might glorify you with my life. In the precious name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You have been listening to the Prophet Grace Scales of Grace Scales Ministries, where you grow and balance life by the sword of the Spirit. We are honored you chose to join us today and pray you have been blessed by the message. We look forward to your presence with us again next week for more teaching. Until then, please take an opportunity to share this message with others. You are welcome to share your comments or contact Grace at Grace, A-D-L-S, at Outlook.com. Please remember to keep your comments respectful.